And welcome back, everybody, to another Vince August podcast. A uh, little bit of a roll here. We're up to episode 45. And this one I have been dying to get into. Uh, so many things happening in the news this past week. Uh, recording date on this is Friday, April 29, 2016. Um, four topics I want to cover in this podcast. Um, the passing of Prince and how our country has dealt with it, at least in terms of what I've seen in the media with regards to memorials and all kinds of stuff. Um, really quickly touch on Beyonce and her new uh, album, Lemonade. Uh, Game of Thrones is back. I'm a huge fan of the show um, and episodic TV in general, but I kind of have a concern with the storyline. Um, let's see if I'm right or wrong about that. Got to get a little bit into Cruz and Kasich and their um, really what I, I think this is Ted Cruz doing in, in a complete desperation and his looking to make packs with anybody and everybody uh, to stop Trump. Or is it just for his own obsession with becoming president of the United States? Something to think about. And then finally, another story in the news, uh, the firing of Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling was a pitcher in Major League Baseball. Um, he works for ES or did work for ESPN and was recently terminated because of statements he made with regards to the transgender bathroom issue um and i want to get into whether or not it's the right thing to do or not the right thing to do with regards to firing someone basically for their opinions so a uh, bunch of stuff for us to get into but let's go back um prince uh music artist passed away and of course you know when someone passes away in this country we can't just let them pass away we have to figure out a way in this nation of ours to make sure that the story um, is just exploited for every ounce of publicity possible. So first we're going to mourn Prince and we're going to have a memorial. And to me, I, I love the memorials that were spontaneous, like in New York city, um, the day people found out the news outside the Apollo, people just gathered together, were playing his music, and it was a spontaneous thing. Um, at the Barclay Center, Bruce Springsteen in one of his encores came out and played Purple Rain. Basically, they had to put that together in a matter of 24 hours. And I, again, listen, I'm not a fan of Bruce Springsteen's music or necessarily some of his politics. I, I think he's a really good person with really good intention. I think he has tremendous integrity. I thought what he did there was absolutely beautiful. One music artist to another where their music didn't really cross over or wasn't even close to the same genre. It was really nice to see an artist play tribute because in the end, I think in, in any business, you want the respect of your peers. So that's why I felt that that was beautiful. And now it seems that the tributes and the memorials just keep on going and we're going to have another one and another one. It gets to the point in this country where we have enough tributes and memorials until finally someone reaches the point where they're like, you know what? Thank God he's dead. I mean, that's what we do in this country. We just can't give a tribute, do a memorial, have it done once. I mean, 
listen, everybody turned their Facebook page into a memorial for, for Prince. And I, I think as individuals, we all tend to try to jump on a bandwagon because I think that's what we're fed. I think that's what we're so used to seeing. We're so used to seeing to every major network jumping on top of this that as individuals, we feel like we have to do it as well. Um, I, I see this on social media. It's, it's really incredible how when you know there's a bombing in Paris, everyone does the French flag for their, um, their, their picture, their profile picture, or does this shade of a French flag. You know, and, and everyone picks and chooses the spots, and basically they wait for the trend. And everyone jumps on the trend, and everyone jumped on the Prince trend. And now we all wait for the next trend. And I'm sorry, but I, I think we've become a society of sheeps when you do that. Um, everybody wants to be the first person on Facebook and Twitter to announce somebody's death. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that everyone seems to have to be the first person to announce a news story on Facebook? And what are you in really doing? You're announcing something that somebody already announced because unless you were there at his house, it's not like you were the first one to find out. You saw the news break and then you immediately put it on your Facebook. And then once you put it on your Facebook, then everyone else puts it on their Facebook and it becomes the who said it first thing. I really hope that's not what people are doing because if that is, it's really, really sad. Um, but it's weird how people try to use things for their own benefit. We had someone um, locally pass away and um, I saw somebody use someone else's post about that person to help them reflect on their own lives. So think about it. You know someone who passes away and you put up a post to, to honor this person and then I share your post to tell how not your loss affects you, not how the loss of that person affects you, but just how, you know what, I feel lucky in general in life to be who I am and what I'm doing, and here's a reason why, and then I use your post to do, I mean, I actually saw that this week on Facebook, and I'm like, holy crap, where are we as a society where we just have to take something that somebody else's and, and always make it selfish? We have to always make something selfish. And the media does it. The media beats these stories to death. They take advantage of it. They drain every ounce of publicity out of it. Then the second something new comes along, Prince is going to be forgotten. He will be a distant memory. He'll be like, all right, did we, did we cover that story enough where everyone's done with Prince? Rather than just truly enjoy the guy's music, have a perspective on his life and go there. Now it's going to be he didn't leave a will. Uh, but, you know, th there's a rumor that he had AIDS and, and, and just I mean, oh, my God, let the man rest in peace. That's why it's called rest in peace, by the way. It's called rest in peace because people are just supposed to let you rest in peace. That's not what we do in this country. No one's allowed to rest in peace. Not in America. We are going to drain you literally of every ounce of carbon left in your carbon fiber. Then, when there's nothing left of you, then you can leave in peace. We're piranha, basically, in this society. And it's really sad because he was an amazing, amazing artist. And the first couple of days of tributes and memorials were beautiful. 
But then we just, you know, our media doesn't know how to let it go. Um, keeping with music artists, Beyonce, boy, she dropped the bombshell this week, huh? The one thing I've come to notice is if you date a music artist today and you don't marry that person and live happily ever after, there's a good chance you're going to be part of their next music anthology on how basically you are a terrible human being and you cheated and lied. And I mean, we've seen Adele do it. Um, Everything seems to be about how she's heartbroken. Taylor Swift, stay away from that girl because she loves making music about how just she doesn't like guys um, that, that do her wrong. And Beyonce basically puts out an album saying how Jay-Z cheated on her with this model, Rachel Roy. And here's what I love again about society. People saw Rachel Roy and mistook it for Rachel Ray. I want you to think about that. People actually, people actually think that Jay-Z had an affair with Rachel Ray, the cooking show person, because they read the thing so damn fast that they didn't pay attention. The name said Rachel Roy and people, because again, why pay attention and read the whole story and headline started lambasting Rachel Ray for having an affair with Jay-Z. I mean, oh my God, where, where are we really? Where are we? This is crazy. But the, the whole notion of music artists, it's, it's, you know, write about your pain, write about whatever you have to do. That's fine. But when you, turn your relationship into an album um that's as bad as just going to the tabloids and and giving that story away that's the first thing the second thing is i find it me this is my personal opinion because it's my podcast and if you don't like it don't listen to my podcast i find it to be my personal opinion that i think she is exploiting this whole feeling emotion story to basically Sell her music. That's all this is. Um, you know what? She is going to profit from the affair that apparently her husband had. And this isn't a real shock because about a year ago, you may have seen Beyonce's, I think it was her sister, attacked Jay-Z on an elevator. And this was right around the time all of this alleged affair stuff was going on. So, I mean, th- this is nothing new here. Um, th- this is kind of something that we, we, everyone saw coming. Um, y- you would like to think she would have been discreet about it, Beyonce, but you know what? She put it out there. Um, and, and it is what it is. I see comics do that in relationships. They use their relationships as material, which is, listen, you're allowed to use anything. It's all fair game. You can make it a movie. You can make it a TV show. You can make it whatever you want to make it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, to me, it seems disingenuous that, it's real pain. I think it's more, I need to sell albums. And if I make it about something that everyone kind of saw play out in an elevator fight, you know what? I can bring it back, bring it to light, make money off of this thing, and we can all profit off it. I don't know. I'm not a Beyonce fan. I haven't heard one of the songs from this Lemonade thing, so I could care less. But interesting to see how that whole thing is playing out. Uh, Game of Thrones came back this past Sunday. Big fan of the show. Really enjoy watching it. I like it because no character is safe. Uh, It's a movie about, you know, kind of this medieval era. And, um, you know, people die. 
you know, they, they, and they die viciously and violently. And and HBO is really great in sparing no one of sex and violence in a show done in times that are quote unquote medieval. <laughs> so, and that's the kind of thing that happened in medieval times: sex and violence, um, brutal violence. And as such, they they put it out there. And I love episodic TV because to me. Any type of TV that's not reality TV is great for my industry as an entertainer because actors are getting to act. And you always want actors to act. So I, I think it's it's great to see that, whether it be House of Cards, whether it be um, Breaking Bad, which is another show that I really enjoyed. All of this episodic stuff. Uh, Homeland. It, it's a lot of fun to see. Now, there is one thing, though, I have to tell you about the Game of Thrones storyline that is becoming concerning for me. And again, I just talked about how it's this medieval storyline about sex, violence, the whole bit. And I I have a concern with the way the story is kind of developing in that it seems to be the storyline is now moving towards the empowerment of women. The story seems to be becoming very woman-centric. They've moved away from the strong male characters, and it's become about you know Daenerys Targaryen, the mother of dragons. It's become about Sansa Stark and her rise, Brienne of Tarth, Cersei Lannister, and now the the woman, the women of Breen, and and no weak man will ever you know be in charge of this empire, and it seems to be all about the women right now and empowering women. And listen, I, I this is not a sexist statement. You want to make movies and shows about empowering women, that's fine. You want to make a, a, a female cast version of Ghostbusters, I think that's cheesy. I think you should be more original and just come out with a new movie having to do with women chasing ghosts. I don't think you should have to redo a movie and say, here, we're going to do it with women. I think that's patronizing, to be quite honest. Um, but to use a medieval storyline and plot and turn it into the empowerment of women, I don't think you're being true to the storyline and plot anymore. I think now you're placating to what's become the latest trend in Hollywood. Um, it, it seems that... You know, with the new Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, this this storyline and plot is going to be about um, this character, Rey. And, you know, Luke Skywalker, it looks like it's going to be his daughter and her strength. And, you know, we killed off Han Solo and now it's Princess Leia and Rey and, you know, again, the rise of power. And that's fine. That's fine, because I think the storyline there was always about the twins, Luke and Leia. So to have another female character, I don't think isn't so much in line or out of bounds with what the storyline in Star Wars was. Um, so, you know, I, I, but you're starting to see in Hollywood this general theme of drawing fe- female characters and women characters to be, you know, super strong and empowering and selling to this other market and make it very woman centric. And again, you know, you want to make there's so many different ways you can make movies about powerful women in our history because there are so many incredible, power, incredibly powerful women that have 
played a part in our history. But to take a medieval movie or a storyline like Game of Thrones and decide, you know what, we're now going to make this about Daenerys Targaryen and this one and that one, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to kind of have some issues if that's the direction the show is going. And, and I'm, I'm starting to worry if we're not just moving away from a storyline to, to placate to a, just a trend in Hollywood. And I hope that's not the case because I know that now the show is kind of ahead of the books. So there's that feeling as well that, you know, now it's, it's not being true to the books. Now it's just going to be true to what Hollywood wants and, and what seems to be popular in cinema, whether it's television or film. So I hope that's not the case. Um, second topic done. Third topic. This sent me absolutely wild this week. Um, Ted Cruz and John Kasich got absolutely trounced on Tuesday in five states. Um, Donald Trump was pulling in high 50, even 60% of state votes. I mean, that's an absolute beating. That is a brutal beating on any sense. When you consider the fact that there are three candidates garnering votes and one of them is getting 60% of the vote, you're getting blasted, absolutely blasted. And what Ted Cruz does in response to this is, and by the way, he, they, they lost, Cruz and Kasich lost every county in the five states. Every county in every state they lost. That's, that's mind-numbing. I mean, Clinton didn't do that to Sanders this week. What Trump did was just mind-numbing. And I don't care if you like Trump, don't like Trump. And, and I've put my opinions out there about Donald Trump. So believe me, I, I, it's not like I'm a huge fan of Donald Trump and I'm, I'm riding the Trump wave. I'm taking this from a very neutral standpoint. And I'm telling you, that was absolutely incredible. And as an American citizen watching that, I have to acknowledge that there are a large number of people in this country that are being swayed by his message. I'm not sure what that message is. But people are being swayed by that message. People, I think for the most part, are doing it because they're anti-establishment. So what does Ted Cruz do when you look at this anti-establishment thing? Well, he, before the election, before Tuesday, he makes a pact with John Kasich that basically says, all right, John, here's what we got to do. We have to stop Trump. We need a contested convention. The only way to get a contested convention is if you go hard in the states that you think you're going to win. I'll go hard in the states I think I can win, or at least take a lot of delegates for Trump. And I won't come to your states and you won't come to my states just to get this thing to a contested convention. And then we'll, you know, from there we'll go. To me, you know what this is? This has become the Hunger Games. And listen, um, I won't kill you and you don't kill me until after we kill him. So let's team together, kill him, and then me and you can kill each other. I mean, 
this is politics at its best. And of the remaining candidates, I felt, and I've said my opinion on here, John Kasich was the most qualified. John Kasich seemed to have the best actual um, history and record to run on. And I felt he had the only semblance of a real plan and strategy moving forward. John Kasich lost my vote this week. I will not pull a lever for John Kasich. Not going to happen. In fact, I'm at a point now where I will absolutely vote against John Kasich and Ted Cruz. If you, and I'm not registered Republican or Democrat, so I can't vote in these primaries. But if I was, I would give my vote for Trump for one simple reason at this point. An anti-establishment vote. Because what Trump did on Tuesday was show these two clowns that your little pact is exactly what we hate about America and its current politics. And you guys have no regard for that. And their actions basically say... You're going to be in charge of that state. I'm going to be in charge of this state. We won't cross each other is, you know what? I'm not even going to try to win Indiana. I'm not going to come talk to the people of Indiana because I don't have a chance. I'm going to go deal with something else. Well, guess what? When you become or if you're trying to become president of the country, you're going to have to deal with all 50 states and Puerto Rico. You can't just say, well, I'm not going to worry about that state. And to draw a pact that's designed to prevent someone from getting delegates so that you have a chance to be president, you're not running for president. You're playing political games. And that's disgusting. That is exactly what we hate about politics. And that is why I absolutely positively loathe Ted Cruz. Of the five remaining candidates, Ted Cruz is at the very bottom of my list of people I would vote for. And you know what? By Kasich entering into a pact with him, I would put Kasich on that level. I absolutely would. As much as I detest Hillary Clinton, I would vote for Clinton before Cruz or Kasich. I mean, and I detest Hillary Clinton and her lies. and, And Hillary Clinton is basically, I promise to do this. For all of you people. And then, you know, the next day, I promise to do the absolute opposite of this so that I can appease the other people. I mean, she's just completely full of crap. Um, And she will just go as the wind blows and watch the polls and do what the polls say. She could care less about the American public. I mean, she's talking about she talks about Donald Trump flying around in private jets and living in million dollar homes. Oh, my God. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. You do the same thing. So, but again, getting back to what the focus is here, what Cruz and Kasich did was disgusting. Then Cruz comes out the next day after getting trounced and adds Carly Fiorina as his vice president. Now, you just got blasted. I mean, you now you have zero chance of getting enough delegates. Zero. Zero. The only way you have a chance at this point is you need a contested convention. You're not getting the delegates. You know that. So there is no path to victory for you. And what do you do when there's no path for victory for you? You come out and say, by the way, here's my vice president. 
the only analogy I can compare that to is being a sports team and knowing that you just got eliminated from being a playoff team and saying, guys, tomorrow, playoff tickets go on sale. What, what, what the hell do you mean playoff tickets go on sale? You just got eliminated. There's no chance of you winning a division or becoming a – you can't get into playoffs. Yeah, I know, but we're selling playoff tickets because what we're going to do is we're going to make sure – that something is put into effect where no one else makes the playoffs and we change the entire rules and now everyone can get in the playoff that wasn't really in the play. I mean, come on, what are we doing here? People are voting. Whether you like him or not, he's getting the majority of the vote. Now he's getting more than the majority of the vote. You got to let the guy run. And I guarantee you, I almost sound like Trump saying that because he's, a, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I love when he does it. I, I guarantee you, if this was flipped, if Cruz was sitting at 950 and change and Trump was sitting at 550 and change, the establishment would have gone to Trump at this point and say, Donald, you got to drop. You got to drop out. You, you, there's no path to victory for you. Drop out. They're not doing that with Cruz. They're not doing it with Kasich. Then here's the best. Rubio suspends his campaign. Suspense. He dropped out. He suspends his campaign. So Alaska, which has delegates for Rubio, says, well, listen, we're, we're going to chop up these delegates and do what we want with them. And technically, Donald is entitled to three of the delegates. Rubio now comes back and says, no, 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 no. Hold on. The rules say that, that you can only do that, Alaska, if I drop out. I didn't really drop out. I only suspended my campaign, so you have to hold on to them because they're mine, and I could do what I want. Our political system is a joke. It's a rigged system. I hate to agree with them, but Donald Trump is right. It's rigged, and it's rigged against anybody who's not part of it. If you're not part of the political system, you have no chance of ever becoming part of the political system. It's disgusting. It's disgraceful. We have the nerve to talk to other countries to try to convince Middle East countries that they need to incorporate a form of democracy. Yeah? Whose? Not ours, because ours is as corrupt as anyone's, if not more so. With what I've seen this week, it's probably more corrupt. So crazy stuff with politics this week with that whole thing. Um, Sticking with really quick, I got to bring this up too. In Orange County, California, look this up. There was um, on Thursday, April 28th, uh, there was a clash between protesters at a Trump rally and people at the Trump rally. Everything I've seen, and if I'm wrong, by all means, email me, message me, whatever you got to do. Put a, a, a note on the, on the podcast. Don't just give me your opinion. I want to see the actual story. Everything I've seen, all the stories I've seen on Fox, CNN, have said how the violence incited at that rally was started by anti-Trump people, Trump protesters. So basically, Trump protesters go to a rally and then incite violence because they believe that Donald Trump 
is all of these horrific things. A racist, he's this, he's that. Well, let me tell you. To call someone a racist, to call someone out on the fact that they want to deport people and he's this horrific human being and then use violent methods to get your your point across if that's not the definition of hypocrisy i don't know what is and you know what these are the same people that espouse these bullying contracts between kids we can't have kids bully one another we're going to sign a contract no one's allowed to bully one another i'm sorry that is bullying at its best. Basically, what you're saying is all of you people that are listening to Trump's message and believe his message, you know what? We are now going to get physical with you. We are now going to get violent with you until you realize you should not be voting for him. I have to tell you that you know, for everyone comparing Trump to Hitler— that's as fascist a move as you could possibly pull. That's dictatorship, fascism at its best. I mean, you're getting violent with people just because they are in support of another candidate. By the way, that's not the way you defeat a candidate. That's the way, and I've said this in past podcasts, I'm going to say it again. That's the way you galvanize people. That is the way you bring them together. That is the way you add to their numbers and strength. You show that you, as the person against Trump, are the unreasonable one. And one way to make a person look more reasonable is by his detractors looking more and more unreasonable. So while Donald Trump may not be clear on his platforms, while Donald Trump's ideas and notions may be vague, by you as his detractor acting in an unreasonable way, you start to make the people that are on the fence think, you know what, there might be something to his message because the people who are against his message, wow, they're a bunch of violent animals. Maybe Trump is right. Maybe he's onto something here because these people can't control themselves. This is nuts. So you want to beat Trump, you vote for the other person. You vote for Cruz, you vote for Kasich. If it comes to presidential election, you vote for what looks to be Clinton. Hopefully Bernie Sanders will run as an independent. I don't think he's going to have a chance as an independent. Um but hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll still consider doing that. But, man, it's really, I mean, that's why Trump keeps winning, by the way. I don't think it's anything he's saying. I think it's all of his detractors are looking so foolish, unreasonable, and idiotic that it's actually making him look better. Final topic um, is a story about a baseball analyst whose name is Kurt Schilling. And for my non-sports fans out there, if you want to look this up, um, his name is spelled, his last name is S-C-H-I-L, I believe I-N-G. I don't know if there's two L's in Schilling. Um, Kurt Schilling uh, was an analyst for ESPN. 
He's a former major league pitcher, um, and he was terminated from ESPN, uh, the, I guess, self-proclaimed worldwide leader in sports, after he posted a meme on Facebook, um, which protested the recent laws allowing transgendered people to use whatever bathroom they wish. Um, ESPN says that Schilling's post violated a company policy prohibiting analysts from discussing politics. Okay, so here's the analysis on this. One, if you sign a contract with an employer and in your employment contract it says you are not allowed to do A, B, and C. And if among A, B, and C, one of those things is discussing politics, well, listen, you signed away your right to that form of freedom of speech. And I am speaking from a place of very good awareness, um, firsthand knowledge of that type of thing. When I became a municipal court judge, I was not aware of certain rules and canons that existed. One such canon that was kind of put in to a, a case holding that I became aware of was that as a judge, you cannot do certain television appearances, appear in commercials, um, and as it applied to me now in a Supreme Court holding, you cannot be a comedian or actor because of the appearance that the roles you play as an actor or the things you say on a stage, although protected by First Amendment free speech, may bring a certain view of the bench that the public would not deem to be acceptable. So the Supreme Court was protecting the public. Most people I know thought the decision and the holding was ridiculous. I respected the holding. I disagree with it, but I understand why the Supreme Court decided what they did, and I chose to not fight it beyond the New Jersey Supreme Court. And I was approached by attorneys that offered to take the case for free um, and appeal it to the United States Supreme Court, and I said, no, our, our state court spoke. It's the highest court in our state. It's, it's our state rules, and I'm going to live with the decision. And you know what? That's fine. I won't be a judge anymore. Or until I decide on stop being an entertainer, then I could be a judge again. Nothing in the decision against me, by the way, said anything about me not being able to be a lawyer. And in fact, the decision did not say I could not be a judge anymore. The decision said you have to choose. You could be one or the other, but not both. So technically, I could have given up being an entertainer and continued being a judge. And I'd still be sitting as a judge right now, assuming I would have been reappointed. So... The decision was mine. It wasn't, you're done. The decision is, listen, we, we don't like what you're doing on the side as another career. Um, we understand you have these two competing careers and we're well, not competing against one another, but these two career paths. Um, but as far as judge goes, you have to choose. We don't think you really did anything wrong, but this is our rule. Okay. If ESPN has that rule, then Kurt Schilling, you have to abide by it. Plain, simple, done. I don't know, though, 
that talking about a law that was put into effect with regards to the use of bathrooms, because this is about a recent law which allowed transgender people to use whichever bathroom they wish. I don't know that him commenting on a law is a political statement. I don't know that that's discussing politics. Now, if in fact he was addressing it specifically to the North Carolina legislature and what they did and espousing his beliefs that the Republicans acted fairly, impartially, morally, that would be different. Because then he's talking about the Republican political system in North Carolina and how their beliefs were incorporated into a law. But if he just said, you know what, there's a law out there that I disagree with, I don't know that that's necessarily a political statement. You know, and you can only really stymie people so much in the form of employment. And that's a really strict reading of, you know, what could be an employment clause. And I, and I think this is more of an employment matter than anything else. And listen, only Kurt Schilling and his lawyers are going to know what's in that contract. So I, I have a little bit of a, an issue with whether CB, what, what ESPN did. Now, interesting, what Schilling said, um, and, and this is a quote, it was apparent to me early on that if you wanted to go off topic as a sports person, you had to go off topic left or you were going to get in trouble. Now, listen, if ESPN, let's say Schilling put up something that said something, uh, let's say his meme said something positive about the transgender law and the use of bathrooms, which, by the way, I find this entire argument to be insane. We're talking about using a bathroom. My God, are you kidding me? Let people use whatever bathroom they want. Stop with the whole notion that people are, are getting sex change operations and changing their gender for some perverse, perverted reason or something Oh, sexually related. It has nothing to do with that. This is so insane. But getting back on point, what I want, would love to know what would happen if Schilling said, I think this is a great law and put up a meme that said, I think it's a great law. I wonder what ESPN would do in that situation. Because if ESPN would do nothing in that situation, well, then you're not really concerned with making political statements. Then you're, what you're concerned with is making political statements that are consistent with the beliefs of ESPN. And again, I don't know what's written into his contract. I don't even know if it's legal to make somebody do that. But we recently had a case here in Passaic County in New Jersey where a police officer put up a sign in his front law, on his front lawn supporting the other political party in opposition to his current mayor. The police chief suspended said officer apparently for taking a political stance. The police officer sued 
and won. And the court said, you can't tell somebody what sign they can or can't put on their front lawn. And if, if he wants to put up a sign of a rival candidate on his front lawn, too bad for you, Mr. Mayor and police chief. Where is your association there? Why are you leaning with the mayor? Are you guys in that much in bed with one another? That you're not going to just act as a chief? You're going to let the presiding political person in your town dictate how to run your police station? It's a really tricky thing. Now, with regards to the fact that let's take the employment contract notion out of the mix. So I'm going to change the scenario a bit and say, Kurt Schilling, let's say he didn't have this thing that he couldn't make political statements anywhere in his contract or agreement, and there's nothing by ESPN that says that. I think it's really dangerous to start firing people for having opinions that just seem to differ with whomever seems to have a problem with that opinion. And if it seems that you have to be on the popular side of an opinion or you're in trouble. And I think that's a really, really scary thing. I really do. I find it to be incredibly scary that you are forced to share political opinions in this country or you're considered to be an outcast. And it goes right in line with what happened in Orange County with Trump supporters. And we're going down a very dangerous road right now. We really are. Um, We have to allow people to have opinions. We have to allow people to have differing opinions without people having to worry about losing their jobs because what you're going to start to have is you're going to start to have people gather in in secrecy and and start to you know come together in this weird kind of secrecy in order to do things and you're going to have underground movements and and that's really how you get the rise of these political parties then that come out of the blue like these you know social reform workers party in 1929 you know germany that eventually becomes this Nazi party. That's really how you do it. You scare people into into silence, and then they slowly start to come together as groups and then create a coup to overthrow. You have to allow people to say their opinions out loud. This is getting really dangerous in this country. We're becoming very, very close to a fascist state, a communist state, where... You have to agree or you're an outcast. And you know what? I, I have friends that, you know, God, I interviewed someone on this podcast that was transgendered. And, you know, Tammy said to me, listen, you don't have to like transgendered people. So long as you don't do anything illegal and immoral towards us and let us live our own lives. Yeah, that's fine. And listen, I can think that Caitlyn Jenner is a moron. And my thinking that isn't because Caitlyn Jenner is transgendered. I happen to think Caitlyn Jenner's a moron 
because she says really stupid things. There are people in our military that are bad people. Just because you put on the uniform and serve this country, that doesn't make you some type of angelic figure that is, you know, above and beyond reproach. I mean, you have to understand that, you know, just so if you say something against the military, a military person, it doesn't mean you're anti-military. If you say something against a person who happens to be transgendered, it doesn't mean you're transphobic. You know, if you don't support someone who happens to be gay, it doesn't make you homophobic. I mean, we, there's a there's a, a huge line. It's not a fine line, a huge line between not liking somebody simply because you don't like them, having a difference of opinion, and becoming blank phobic. Not everything is a phobia. Not everything makes you phobic. Not everything that makes you an ist, like racist or something along those lines. Sometimes you could just not like things. And because you don't like things or people, that's okay. It's when you start acting out and breaking laws or acting immorally towards those things in people. That's when it gets dangerous. But to think it, to say it, to make that something that you lose your job over or that you're an outcast from society or that people should start acting violently towards you. That's dangerous. That's really dangerous. And you know what? By the way, shame the pe- shame on the people on Twitter. And I have a friend of mine who's a comedian, and he's on CNN, and he does some work with them, Dean Obadala. And, you know, I follow Dean on Twitter, and, and I'm starting to have a lot of problems with Dean's post. And I know what Dean is trying to do. I, I know it's like the Bill Maher thing. He's trying to incite people to argue with him because if he gets attention, it's great. And people will follow him and they'll be talking about him. And all publicity is good publicity. But you know what? To constantly report something. See, look, violence at a Trump rally. This is what you're going to get if he becomes president. Please don't do that type of sloppy reporting. Stop the sloppy reporting because you know what? You're race baiting. You're anger baiting. You're hate baiting. You're, you are really the problem in our society because what you're doing is you're disseminating false information just to get people riled up. You are the bigger problem than Trump. By being the person that tries to incite the violence against the guy that you disagree with because he says things that you deem to be violent, well, what's worse? Someone who says things that you interpret as violence or actually committing an act of violence and inciting people to violence. I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to. Again, you know, the, the best way to make someone seem unreasonable is let the opposing view seem so unreasonable that you start thinking, you know what? Maybe the, the guy they're all talking about isn't so bad. Guys, really looking for this was a fun podcast for me. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Please continue listening. Thank you for the support. Vince August podcast episode 45 in the books.